This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Dylan in West Seattle. Hey, Dylan. Hey, John. Um, I got a question about the Seahawks offensive line. Um, Prior to kind of like Russell's scrambling around, I thought they did pretty well last year. And now with the evolution of the coaching staff Mm -hmm. from season to season, I was curious, what are your thoughts on it? Well, first off, I mean, Mike Solari is a great offensive line coach, one of the better ones in the league. So offensive coaching wise, they're in great shape. I think in the last two years, and certainly 2000 and uh, uh, 2018, they were they weren't they weren't good. But, uh, you know, I think that you can see, I thought, uh, 2019 that got better. I thought they were better last year. And you can see some of the reasons. Okay, now, you know, Brandon Shell has come in, even though he was hurt uh, toward the end of the season. And, you know, toward that uh, I think he came in, it was an upgrade over Jermaine Effetti. I mean, Damian Lewis was one of the best rookie offensive linemen last year. And, uh, you know, Ethan Posick is better at center than he was at guard and tackle. So that's encouraging. Then they get Gabe Jackson. You know, Gabe Jackson, you know, was an 11 million dollar player with the Raiders, and I think that you know he's a solid right guard. So now Damian Lewis moves over to left guard, and you know Dwayne Brown still is at a very good level of play despite being a little bit older. So I think the offensive line is better, which is I think Russell Wilson's mistake in making critical comments about the blocking because again these guys could just turn on him if they want because again I mean they blocked better in the last two years and particularly last year again are they a great offensive line no but i think that they are better and i think they're going to be better this year yeah yeah that's kind of i was thinking their first couple seconds they're pretty good um but then he runs around and it's hard to hard to work an offense like that yeah because what you can see is that again he's one of the great escape quarterbacks in the league <clears throat> and he's able to, you know, get outside and either throw a pass and get a completion or, you know, run, make a run. But also <clears throat> you're holding on to the ball for 2.97 seconds <clears throat> last year, 3.3 in the playoff game. <clears throat> when that happens, you know, you, you it makes it tough to be able to avoid those 46, 47 sack seasons. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that was kind of my thought. I wanted to get your take on it. I, I've always been a big proponent in Russell's great, but yeah. he holds on a little too longer because he's looking for that big home run hitter because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. he loves the deep ball. Well, that's going to be one of the problems that Justin Fields is going to have in Chicago because he's much like Russell in the sense that you know he'll try to do the escape route and hold on to the ball too much. Like, for example, uh, his, <clears throat> his time last year was 2.95 seconds on holding the ball, and then you look at his sack numbers, and that's not good. So in the end, it's like, you know, you, that's why I think this offense, you know, that Rams 49ers offense is going to be better because now you get rid of the ball in less than four, 2.5 seconds. And, you know, you, you, you got the defense guessing whether it's going to be a running play, whether it's going to be a passing play. There's a little bit more running. That's why I really question, you know, unless it's a, a real cheap deal that you take Julio Jones because you can't target if you want to be in that offense, three guys that are making, you know, 100 catches, 100 targets, can't do it. Yeah, I, I think the Julio deal, is it, it sounds great on paper and yeah. it's fancy and sparkly and I'll sell tickets, but at the end of the day, it's kind of, 
I mean, what would Russell rather have, another weapon or protection? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And they got him the, a little bit better in the protection with the Gabe Jackson uh, deal. <clears throat> and certainly they got, you know, Shell worked out well last year except for the injury. And then uh, <clears throat> I think that, you know, Damian Lewis looked great. And so you like his versatility along with his ability and his athletic ability. So I think that worked out real well. Yeah, cool. Well, I mean, thanks for taking thanks for taking the call. I actually didn't think I'd get through real quick. Yeah. Hey, Dylan, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Victor in Auburn. Hey, Victor. Hey, John, another great show. Yeah, by the way, 11 o'clock tomorrow. Nice. Okay, good. That was going to be the second question. Yeah, so um, I'll, be, I'll be on series at 11 o'clock tomorrow. In fact, I was going to be on on Thursday night, but then we had problems uh, with, with the lines and stuff like that because they called me at the very last minute, and I was going to be on with Alex, Alex Marvez, from like 4 to 7, but then uh, they didn't like the sound of the line, so it's like I uh, had to you know, get, a, get a couple new things. Uh, that uh, you know, Sirius was able to order and get, and I've already got them. So, and we tested them out yesterday, and it should be fine. So yeah, I like Alex. He does a good job. Um, yeah. A couple quick things. First off, I want to say, uh, Matt, Matt's awesome. The yeah. program. He's a good, good dude. Uh, a while back, I sent something for you and uh, your wife, and something for him. But I don't think you guys ended up getting it. So I spoke to him. Yeah, because I'm never, I'm, I'm never, um, I, I haven't been in the uh, office downtown and. I don't know, five years, six years, something like that. And then yeah, with the, you know, the Seahawks kind of being closed, uh, you know, like anybody like Mara or somebody else that would be coming down over to the uh, VMAC, you know, we just haven't had that. So it's like, uh, you know, I've not been able to get any mail from the station. Oh, you know, just a, not much, but a little dinner certificate because you guys provide so much entertainment and everything for years. Well, thank you. But, um, Either way, uh, hey, by the way, do you like to stuff at 104.3? Yeah, oh no, 100%. 100 especially since you hit it all the time with the articles, because they're, yeah. they're more often to, to come around than just once a day and everything. So I, I definitely enjoy the content you bring. Um, what I was going to say is if you enjoy watching big men in the uh, NBA, yeah. Jokic for uh, yeah. the Nuggets, man. That guy plays at an unbelievable level, and he's so sound in everything he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't sleep on them not getting past uh, uh, Phoenix. Because yeah. uh, even though they're missing Jamal Murray, the second best player, they're coming together as a team. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know they have a shot. They definitely have a shot. And then uh, if they take it, and then the Avalanche takes it, all that's left is for the the, the Broncos to win the Super Bowl, and that's three champions in one year. There you go. There What's you your go. thoughts, John? <laughs> they become, well, because I mean, let's put it this way: Did you ever think that Tampa would be the uh, uh, city of champions like they were in <laughs> hockey and baseball and uh, NFL. I mean, particularly like the uh, the Bucks, who had 12 consecutive losing seasons before this year. They get Tom Brady, and the next thing you know, they win the Super Bowl and get all their starters back. It, it's all about a quarterback. Like you said, you get a competent quarterback in there. That brings you to uh, at least a 8-8, eight eight, 500 season yeah, with yeah. a competent quarterback and, and with a little talent behind it. And then you get someone who's good yeah. with some talent. You know, on on the way to the Super Bowl. Victor, Victor, did you see? I don't know if you saw the story I wrote yesterday, but uh, did you see uh, Pro Football Focus and how they rated the Denver Bronco receiving core? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's incredible. It's deep. It it it. Yeah, and then they even gave a which I was uh, against. I thought they gave the uh, fan at number eleven as a tight end. When how do you 
how do you see that them uh, ranking Pitts as a number four tight end, and he hasn't even taken a snap yet? Yeah, well, I mean he's he's he comes in as one of the most talented tight ends you can imagine. But they had Fant number six at tight end, but they you know all of a sudden you know they gave bad grades last year. So at the end of the season, they were ranked as the third worst receiving core. And again, we're talking also tight ends and receivers, third worst in the league, right? Thirtieth. And so now they come out and they put him number six. Okay, well, that's more like it. it probably had to do a lot with the quarterback play, too, last year. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, they had they had uh, Drew Locke rated as the worst quarterback, starting yeah. quarterback in the league. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's tough. And, it probably, that's and tough. he earned it. Yeah, he did. He did a completion percentage. Hey, uh, on the last thing, when do you think uh, Washington is going to take this uh, gambling online to uh, some type of vote or bring it up for discussion? What do you mean, uh, state of Washington? Yeah, yeah, online uh, gambling, yeah. you know. I mean, you hope it's going to be reasonably soon. I mean, you know, I don't follow politics well enough to kind of get a gauge on that, but it's like uh, it's happening all through the country, and it needs to happen here, I think, you know, because yeah. there's enough interest, there's enough money, and, of course, uh, it does add to the revenue, no question about it. Yeah, it, it you know, what, what's the reason there that it's not even uh, being brought up or anything? You, you know anything about it? No, I don't, because, again, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, hey, uh, we're, we're just trying to get to the point where we can have everything opened up by June 30th and hopefully maybe a little bit before that, because I know we're like uh, 63 percent as far as the uh, vaccination rate for adults. And once it gets to 70 percent, then they'll open everything up. But at the very least, we know on June 30th, at the latest, that's when they'll open everything up and you go full restaurants and full everything, full stadiums. Well, we need people like Irish Mankey to get that thing done, regardless yeah. of whatever story he's looking up. Hey, John, speak to you tomorrow, 11. See, hear you tomorrow, bud. Take okay, care. Okay, Victor, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clay. Oh, let's go to Zach in Bonnie Lake. Hey, Zach. Hey, John. How you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Love the sun the last couple of days. Yeah. I, 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 I don't, I don't uh, want to jinx it, but it's like I thought yesterday there was supposed to be rain, and there wasn't. Today I thought there was going to be rain, and it just looks like it's just going to be cloudy. So it's like I'm loving this fact. Yeah. It feels like summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully we can keep it going. Yeah, I hope. Hey, I wanted I wanted to pick your brain on, uh, you know, obviously everyone's been talking about Julio, and I, I think me and you look at it the same way where, yeah, it'd be great to have them, yeah. but I just don't think it's going to be realistic. Uh, my question for you is, I keep going back and forth on the offense versus the defense, and towards the end of the year, you know, the defense really started stepping it up. Mm-hmm. And going into this season, where do you think our biggest issue is on offense? Right now remaining, I think it would be cornerback, and then maybe uh, you know a challenger to uh, Ethan Postick at center. Those would be the two remaining issues, I think. Yeah, you know, because you know it's not like yeah. they've got vo- they got volume at cornerback, but are they good enough with uh, DJ Reed, Akella Witherspoon, Pierre Desir, uh, Demarius Randall, and all those guys? I mean, you know, Trey Flowers. I mean, it's going to be a lot of competition, but are they going to be good enough? Uh, so, so that I think is a question. And then uh, you know, right now you've got uh, an undrafted guy, Cal Fuller, as the backup center. Is that going to be good enough, particularly? Like if if uh, you know Ethan Postick gets hurt, so those are the two areas I think right now right. that are remaining. Right. Yeah, I I definitely agree, and I I like the fact that it's no longer the whole offensive line is the worry. Yeah. And that we have it narrowed down to just just one position. I think that's a really good sign. And with corner, you know, one name that's 
spin out there that I personally would love is if we were able to figure out a way to bring back Richard Sherman. Mm -hmm. What do you think about bringing Mm -hmm. back Sherman? I think it's going to be tough. But I'll tell you what, it was interesting. Yesterday, Minnesota signed Brashad Breeland, who had been in Kansas City. And again, a lot of times what happens is that you get a bloated deal that uh, the agent puts out. And so it was said to be one year at $4 million, uh, up to $4 million, which probably means it's probably two and a half to three uh, with incentives that can get it to four. But it's like, uh, you know, if you're talking $4 million, maybe, just maybe, Sherman might consider that. And so, uh, you know, they did yeah. clear out some cap room with the, uh, you know, the deal yesterday for Michael Dixon, you know, because he got a four-year extension. And so uh, that'll maybe get him an extra million dollars of cap room. And then if they can get something done with Jamal Adams, then it really clears up, you know, a lot of cap room. Because, again, it's like one thing that they do a good job of is that they'll, they'll spend everything in the cap. And by the end of the year, there's no carryover. But, again, you don't want to put yourself – that's why I think the Julio Jones thing is going to be tough because – He's fifteen point three right. million as far as his base salary. Uh, he's twenty two million dollars, and because his base salary is guaranteed, he's not going to take a pay cut. Right. Yeah. It would be nice to have, but yeah. I, I totally agree. Well, I appreciate it, John. I love the show, lifelong fan, and uh, I appreciate you taking my okay, call. Okay, Zach. Thank you. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. Dave Grosby at the bottom of the hour. John Clayton Show seven ten ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Rick in Twin Lakes. Hey, hey, Rick. Hey, good morning, John. Good morning. I'm listening to your callers and listening to your show last few weeks, and I'm looking forward to the Seahawks season yeah. that's uh, coming up. Um, and one of the things is the uh, the new offensive coordinator, I think that Russell need um, he needs more structure as far as the offense. Um, of course, when he was younger, he first came in the league. Um, he was a lot quicker than he is now. He's a little yeah. bit more savvy. You know, he's a lot more knowledgeable. He can see defenses better. But he was a lot quicker when he first started, and I think he's starting to lose uh, some of that. Of course, and that he needs more structure. Needs something automatic that when DK's not open, Tyler's not open that he goes to immediately goes to his uh, safety valve or to his secondary third uh, receivers. Mm-hmm. And I think that this new coordinator, he has a chance to implement that for in the Seahawks offense. Because um, and, and he, I, another thing I'm looking for is Gabe Jackson. Yeah. Now, um, when you've got two holes on the offensive line, uh, that's a problem. Well, if you only got one, you can kind of cover up. Right. Like the guy was saying, we only got one now we need to improve on. Um, but Gabe Jackson is an upgrade. And one of the things I like is that he gives uh, one of our nemesis a lot of problems, and that's Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. really stonewalls that guy. And, you know, they had some real toe-to-toes um, uh, combat when he was with um, with the Raiders there. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, no, that's a good combination, I think. Yeah, that's why it's, it's funny because – uh, you know, he was the guy that I thought would would be the best fit. And sure enough, even though he wasn't the main choice, that uh, they 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 wanted to go a different direction. The fact that they were able to trade for him, get him at such a, a cheap price at five million, or at the fifth round pick, and then he took the pay cut down to seven and a half million dollars a year. And so now they've had him for a couple of years, and I think that worked out great. 
Uh, I have a question. Uh, the uh, the guy we picked up that used to be he was out of the league last year. He used to be with Arizona. Robert uh, Namichi is that yeah, his Kimichi. name is. Kimichi. Yeah, Kimichi. yeah, I think he was an early round pick. Uh, he was a, a high draft pick. Yeah, and first he couldn't play for Bruce Arians for some reason. Bruce Arians wouldn't start. I don't, it was, did he have a bad work habit or? Was he, he one of those guys that thought he had already made it once he got into the Yeah, league? I mean, he was a guy that was rated, you know, uh, in the top maybe five, but top ten of the draft. I mean, he was that talented, but he either didn't work hard enough or he just didn't show enough to be able to get into the starting lineup. And so the talent's there. And so now, I mean, if he can do well, I mean, he can make up for that Malik Jackson uh, pick in the second round, which they didn't get a down out of him. Right. Um, the, the other thing is that I was watching the Arizona game, the second yeah. Arizona game, and our um, uh, high price safety, Jamal Adams, uh, he came up in a run support, and he stopped the run. Yeah. Uh, next play, they ran the same play. It looked like the same play. Jamal Adams ran up in the run support, he, uh, and uh, the guy threw the ball, and it was a touchdown. It was Jamal Adams' man, the mm-hmm. guy that he mm-hmm. should have been covering. Um, he gave us a lot of sacks last year. I think it was nine and a half. Yeah, but uh, we need to um, kind of pick and choose our time when he needs to be in the box. And now I can see when we go to our nickel or dime defense because you've got um, you can pull a couple of linebackers because um, we got Blair, we got Jamal Adams, um, and we got Ryan Neal. Mm-hmm. All those are safeties that can really tackle. They can cover and they can tackle. And I see. Um, good things out of the uh, defense if they get the proper coaching or they get all of them get on the same page. Right. No, I would agree. I think that, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's, it, again, he makes a transition over here. He's a three-time pro bowler. He's a really good player. And I think the, you know, he'll obviously get better as time goes on. And it's like, but uh, yeah, working on coverage, I think is one of the things that he needs to do. Yeah, and I like the the, uh, the v- defensive line setup. Yeah, I mean you got a lot of pass rushers, but uh, you know you got a lot of young guys. You got older guys. I like Dunlap. I mm-hmm. like his attitude, and uh, it seems like the younger guys are leaning on his experience. Right. Um, as far as you know, Aska, and I like Hyder. He's another guy with experience, and of course you got the younger guys, uh, Daryl Taylor, um, uh, Rasheem Green, mm-hmm. and uh, Alton Robinson, and of course Vincent Mayo. So you got a lot of guys, and one th- one of the things that I like. Uh, remember when the Giants beat the Patriots, and nobody thought they had a chance in the Super Bowl? They ran a lot of defensive linemen at those guys. Mm-hmm. They rushed mm-hmm. Brady, and of course, nobody likes to get hit. Right. You know, like I say, everybody's got a plan until they get hit, and if you keep hitting them, uh, you know they'll 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 give in. And that's what that's what Tampa Bay did. They had a tremendous pass rush, and they yeah. kept hitting Mahomes. My, my, my uh-huh. And of course, everything went out the window. And I see the same potential with our guys. Hopefully, we'll stay healthy. But we got a lot of we got a lot of bullets in the chamber. Agreed. But um, and one of the things I'm looking forward to the upcoming season. Hey, one more question. Do you, are we going to have uh, visitors at Seahawks training camp this year? Yeah, right now. Uh... Again, Governor Inslee has to approve it, and the county has to approve it, but the league's already approved it. They said that oh. uh, you know, for all 32 teams, you're allowed to have fans uh, at training camp. So again, uh, and if indeed it goes through that uh, they do to, uh, you know, clear everything out by June 30th, then I think you can go to training camp. All right, it sounds great. Hey, you have a good day, John. Okay, Rick, thank you.
866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Trey. Hey, how you doing, John? Good, how are you? Well, you know, I'm just like a Carpenter song, both from Richard and Karen Carpenter. You know, that just celebrated their 48th, like 48th anniversary of that song called Yesterday Once More. And I think that song starts off a little bit like this. When I was young, I listened to the radio. Well, now I'm on the radio with the legend, John Clayton. It's all good because, you know, I heard you guys talking about it. I heard Victor talking about the Denver Broncos and those yeah. wide receivers and all that. And, uh, you know, that tight end. Well, guess what? The University of Washington has one of the probably the best tight ends in college football starting to see this. His name is Cade Auden from Tumwater. So keep your eye on him, number 87 for the Huskies when it comes to tight end. And Drew Locke, hopefully he doesn't lock on to too many wide receivers. It looks at the second and third progressive, but it probably could be Teddy Bridgewater or Teddy Two Gloves, I should say. Yeah. Maybe starting at quarterback. But we will see. And if I heard that little commercial break about, uh, you know, uh, Michael Bumpus and that Blue 42 and, uh, you know, uh, Chris Carson the 25 carries. Well, if Chris Carson has 25 carries, that's going be more rare than a stake at Outback Steakhouse because there are not too many running backs that have 25 carries anymore, and he was taking business decisions off when he came back from injury, tapping himself out, running to the sidelines, getting ready for the playoffs, which came and almost back, basically backfired on the Seahawks. And when you're talking about 2.9, holding the ball, Russell Wilson, that's because he got nobody to throw to. You just answered your own question, John Clayton, on that commercial break, talking about the zone. They never recovered from the zone nope. in the second half of the season, and that's why he's holding the ball 2.9. Nine seconds. We got nobody to throw to. I want to see the first eight games of the season and see if it's two point nine compared to the second half of the season. Two point nine. I got the Seahawks, John Clayton, finishing twelve and five this year, thirteen and four at best, and eleven and six at worst uh, of the season. I don't know what, how you feel about it. Uh, I would I agree. What, yeah, I would agree. I think it's still early, but still, I think the running game. I think if Chris Carson or Rashad Penny uh, play, if Rashad, if Chris Carson played fourteen games this year, it'll be a miracle. If Rashad Penny plays ten games this season, it'll be a miracle. That's what I'm counting on. I'm not counting on both running backs each playing seventeen games. That's not going to happen. We all know that. Five primetime games, John Clay. I was waiting for that schedule. I used to work at a restaurant, but I never was a waiter. But I was waiting for that NFL schedule. You already know that. Hard to manage yeah. concern. I know I'm up against the clock. I know you got to go to commercial play. But the Mariners, I don't know how they're doing it with duct tape, but they're getting the job done. They're only one game under 500. The starting pitching, uh, you know, they're playing it. Uh, like I said, I don't know how they're doing it. The starting pitching has showed up a little bit. The guys that they do have. And tonight we got Kikuchi 3-3 three and three with a 3.88. ERA going against another guy with a 3.78 ERA. And these guys, uh, they finished third place by the end of the season. The Seattle Mariners finished third place by the end of the season. They're in third place now. It'll be a miracle, John. And I'm not on 34th Street. There you go. Dre, thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Hey, ESPN 206421 ESPN. Let's go to Tim in Lincoln. Hey, Tim. Hey, John. Yes. Hey, uh, what's the plans for DJ Dallas uh, this year? Do you see him getting any touches, or is he just an organizational depth uh, depth guy? I, I feel like they could uh, plug him in in a few spots. Yeah, I mean, I think what you'll see is that, uh, you know, obviously, because, again, they're not going to have Chris Carson out there all the time, and Rashad Penny's going to be the backup. But I think what you can see is that, you know, when they go passing downs and stuff like that, they'll mix him in uh, because he's, a, I think, a, a pretty good pass catcher. And so that that gives him a chance. And then they'll find some ways to maybe on early downs get him in a little bit, too. But, uh, you know, I think they like the way that he catches the ball and he can help out, particularly in those passing situations. 
Okay, great. I'll put you down for over three touchdowns for DJ Dallas. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, the other thing, I just want to, uh, I just want to give a quick plug to Jamal Adams, real quick. First of all, uh, he completely negates, I think, Kyler Murray uh, in those matchups. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, one of the things he was brought in for. And then the other thing is, uh, he he set the record, I think, last year for most sacks for a player not on the defensive line in something like twelve games. Well, not on I mean, because yeah, linebackers like, linebackers have more than nine and a half sacks, but I mean for defensive backs, he set the NFL record for number of sacks at nine and a half. Okay, so yeah, I feel like in twenty twenty one we can look forward to him setting the single season sack record with a full season of health under his yeah. belt, which would be great. So let's be patient with Jamal Adams, uh, Seahawks fans, and DJ DJ Dell looking to have a big year next year. So yep. thanks, John. All right, thank you. 866-979-ESPN-206-421-ESPN. Dave Grosby coming up next. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. It is time for our weekly dose of the Gros with Dave Grosby. And Dave, I guess you can think of last night's game with the Mariners losing 3-2 to two to the Angels as being frustrating. Frustrating in a way that here they were in the eighth inning, they had the bases loaded and nobody out, and they didn't score a run. And they had their best hitters up there. Yeah, don't forget that. They had their three best hitters going and, and couldn't score a run. And uh, credit to Inglesias, uh, I believe was the name of the reliever. But um, it was uh, it was too bad, although it was uh, it was fun seeing uh, Shohei Otani play. Um, yeah. You know, we're watching, uh, we're watching the, the, the only guy to compare to him is really Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. You know, his, his last years with the Red Sox and his first years with the Yankees, and the Yankees let him pitch a little bit. Um, to, to see a guy like that, uh, you know, that's the first time against the Mariners he's both um, was in the lineup and pitched at the same time. And he looked good as a pitcher, even though he gave up a few runs. I mean, you can see what he's got there. Uh, didn't do anything but just walk at the plate. But, you know, it's quite a weapon the Angels have. And, and you know, they're, they, they would not surprise me, John, if they're a team that turns it around the second half of the season. Really? Yeah. Even without Mike Trout. Yeah, I mean they'll they'll need some they'll need some boost uh, they'll need some push but you know they they they've got Anthony Rendon they've got they've got Otani they, they've got some X factors working for them so we'll see it's a long season that's what Mariner fans uh, unfortunately no one got to remember especially when you're trying to evaluate young talent is there, there's a lot of baseball to play yet and a lot of things that haven't been determined yet yeah no doubt about it how how much worry do you have about the injury situation with this team I think it's now what 14 guys that are on the injured list I mean Justin Dunn went on there Kyle Lewis is maybe going to miss a, maybe most of the rest of the season uh, with his knee meniscus tear it's like uh it's it's got to be. Yeah, that's scary. the big story since we talked last. Was Kyle Lewis is just yeah. that's devastating. I mean that, that that look. This is a guy who was rookie of the year last year, who you were counting on to produce big numbers. Not be, not you you weren't hoping that he could do it. It was because he did do it uh, a year ago, and and I kind of uh, you know, I think we got the same vibe when we heard the report that it sounds like he's lost for the season. So that's just yeah. that's just a, a, a heavy heavy blow. Um, you know, the other guys will be coming back, but you're right. I think at this point they've got 14 or 15 guys on the injured list, uh, and they're still a game under 500. Amazing, isn't it? I mean, this is the other thing to consider, too, that they're, they're, they're playing pretty good baseball, all things considered, with as many guys that are out that are out. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens and how long they can they can kind of, you know, muddle through with, with without so many key players. Well, that's the thing. It's like I still remember in that one stretch where they, you know, had a tough two-series 
uh, you know, losing a lot of the games to San Diego and Houston and all that stuff. People were calling for the firing of Scott Service and the firing of Jerry Depoto. And I think, are you kidding me with all the injuries and the fact that here they are playing, you know, two of the better teams in the American or one in the National, one in the American League. It's like, are, are you kidding me? You want to fire Scott Service with the good job that he's done in keeping this team competitive? Yeah, especially when you consider the, the what the expectations were going into the season. It's not like you yeah. were you were expecting to compete for a pennant this year. You weren't. Uh, you know what you were expecting to do this year, and and uh, fifty nine, sixty games in, you're, you're you're doing it. You're you're getting your young players in there, and some of them are standing out. Some of them are still struggling, of course, but some of them are looking are looking pretty good. There's going to be another wave of guys that, that come up. I mean, Cal Raleigh, the catcher, is is doing great down at Tacoma, and he's looking like sooner more sooner than later he's going to be he's going to be up here as well. So, you know, again, you got to consider the expectations game when you're talking about the, the futures of. Of, of those guys, and, and uh, again, we repeat, with, with 100 games to play, you know, that's still yet to be determined what the year looks like and what, what the, the improvement of, of the young players looks like. Keeping in mind, another thing, too, is that, the you know, COVID cost them an entire year of development last year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, agreed. Well, what, what's your thoughts yeah, but, on the struggles of Jared Kelnick, who right now is probably over the last month? Yeah, I, I you know, it's... He's hitting barely 100, and um, he does not look good at the plate to me. And and I, I, I for one, would would have sent him down. Yeah. I mean, I can understand the reasoning not to do it because you want him to work through it, and and you know maybe he is showing them some things in in his at bats that that uh, tell them that well, you know what, he's just he's just hitting in some bad luck right now. But it looks to me like he's getting set up and fooled by by, by major league pitchers at this point, and. And I just, uh, you know, I don't know if there's there's a reluctance to do it because of the thing that happened in the preseason. It, it's just the whole thing couldn't have worked out more poorly for the Mariners if they had if they had tried. So, you know, uh, eventually, you know, the, you, you, as long as he's here, he plays. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. There's no reason to sit him down, but he does look overmatched at this point for sure. He really does. And of course, I mean, this team has so many guys batting in the 100s, and what a, a 206 yeah. batting average as, uh, but. That, that goes to the big picture. What is going on with baseball that you have? I think uh, early in the week it was like 234 was the average batting average, which is the lowest in baseball history. And then there's uh, you know, uh, controversy brewing about pitchers using substances. Absolutely. Sports Illustrated did the story this week, and, and uh, it's a long time since it seems like I've been saying that they broke a story. But, yeah. but it's, it's definitely about that, and, and it explains a lot. Explains why pitchers are, are, are functioning so well. Uh, the story will, will frustrate you. I, I did a link to it on my uh, Twitter page. Um, will frustrate you in that that baseball is kind of knows about it and no one's doing anything about it. And and you know guys are covering for other guys doing it. And it helps pitchers spin the ball better. And, and it's uh, it's along with everything else is is taking the teeth out of the game. And and you know the the story, the focal point of the story will be Trevor Bauer, who's been the focal point of a lot of stories. He was the one who brought it up first about a year ago, and then when he got the biggest contract for any pitcher in baseball, all of a sudden his numbers uh, went up in, in a way that, that, that seems to be tied to this. So, you know, baseball, whenever they, they put their best foot forward, they take two steps back. So, you know, the, they, the, the hitting problems are there, and it seems like this is an immediate way to solve it, and, and I'm very curious to hear what uh, the clumsy reaction is to yeah. uh, by Rob Manfred and other baseball officials on this thing. Yeah, pretty bad. On a, a different subject, uh, 
Have you yeah. ever seen an NBA playoff like this where it's as wide open as it's ever been? I mean, the Lakers get eliminated. The Portland Trailblazers get eliminated. I mean, you've got some small city teams uh, you know, in the big mix. I mean, Utah right now might be the favorite. And it's like, where did this all come from? Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. They're they're playing very well as well. It uh, it is wide open, and it's I don't know if it's pandemic related or what it is, but you know we shall see. Uh, you know, uh, it's Portland lost to lost to Denver. You know who looks who looks very good. Dallas looks pretty good. The Clippers have, are having a great series with them. Kawhi Leonard kept them alive yesterday. So it's just a question of, of new blood getting in there. I, I think for more than anything, John and and. Uh, the Lakers looked a little tired, and, and that's not what you want to hear with, with LeBron and company, but they did win a title, so yeah. they, did, they did get done what they needed to get done with him. But, you know, the, the news that struck me in basketball more was the fact that Gary Payton, mm-hmm. of all guys, is going to be coaching a college basketball team next year. Yeah, isn't that and amazing? And a startup. Well, was it, is it down in Oakland? Yeah. yeah. It's in Oakland, yeah. Lincoln College. It's, uh, I, wish him, I wish him all the best. It's an incredibly difficult thing to do a program just starting up. But uh, I would not hold anything against the glove. I mean, no. if anyone can pull it off, he can. But yeah, that was that was a surprising thing to see. You know, one of those where you really Gary Payton coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna. Uh, I, I can. He, boy, he's got to. He'll have to keep a keep uh, keep keep a hold on that mouth of his when he's trash talking the other teams, like he's gonna want to do probably. Yeah, how many penalties do you think he's gonna get from the officials? <laughs> That's what I mean, man. He's, he's gonna, he doesn't want to get tossed too easily. He's got to got to be gotta put a governor on it. He got to make sure he has a good assistant coach because uh, I don't think he's gonna make it through the entire season without being kicked off the court. Kicked off the court. No, I wish him luck though. It's uh, yeah. it's kind of a cool thing to see and a nice thing to do for his hometown. Hey, so what do you got on the agenda for this weekend? Uh, well, the weather's supposed to be lousy, so yeah. it looks like it's like uh, hunkering down. And, and I tell you, the, the Colorado uh, series with Las Vegas and, and the NHL playoffs, which I'm paying a lot of attention to, is, is spectacular. If Kraken fans want to see the best two teams in the West, watch that series. They're the best two teams in the West. And Vegas got two late goals in the third period yesterday to win uh, game three to, to make it a 2-1 series. So uh, for, for hockey fans, there's a lot of good hockey on this weekend. That's what I'll be watching. Okay, well, and, the, be and the Belmont Stakes today, Yeah, Belmont's course. coming on today. So I know Pat's going to have that on. So uh, see if I'm going to be around to be able to watch it. So we'll see that. And, of course, that's our weekly dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. David, thank you so much. Thanks, John. Talk next week. Okay, sounds good. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. Our thanks to Matt Nelson for producing the show. Our thanks to Matt Nelson for running the show. And, of course, uh, give us a call at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Dave in Woodenville. Hey, Dave. Good morning, John. Good morning. <laughs> been a long time since I talked to you. Yeah, Huck. You, you being the football guru, I, I you know, I enjoy talking to you. Well, I appreciate that. But I want to say something about Kyle Lewis. I think Kyle Lewis should really, really consider not playing in the field anymore and just going full DH. Hmm, interesting. But, he, but I mean, uh, when healthy, <laughs> he's such a good center fielder. He's got yeah, the great range. Yeah, when healthy. Yeah, yeah. And, but of course, the guy I mean, cannot seem to stay, keep that knee 
healthy. Yeah. And as long as he has that chronic problem, he's going to be sitting on the bench probably more than he's going to be playing. Well, what you worry about is that, because, uh, again, that's the knee that had the ACL and, yeah. you know, and, and affected him, and now yeah. he has a meniscus. And then you start to wonder the next step, because we watched this with uh, Jadevian Clowney you know, in his rookie year. I mean, he had to get microfracture surgery. And so yeah. what you wonder about is that if he gets microfracture surgery, you know, you're probably right. He probably would be better served to be a DH. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know. You know, and, and, and being a DH, you know, that's, that, there's no shame in that. No. I mean, you got Edgar Martinez. You got David Ortiz. You know, the guys that, that turned out to be super when mm-hmm. they get, got to DH. But they couldn't play in the field. Yeah, I don't know what the problem was with with David Ortiz, whether it was some medical thing or he just wasn't a good player when it got when he got on the field. But I do know, you know, with Edgar, it was a medical mm-hmm. uh, hamstring problem that kept him from playing third base. Yeah, so he turned it around and says, "Okay, I'll be a DH." And he turned out to be probably the best. The best, yeah. Well, he, he, the interesting part is that uh, <clears throat> organizationally, this uh, franchise has more outfielders that have a chance to be great as opposed to uh, maybe most other franchises. Because yeah, you think right. about the fact that right now you have Mitch Hanniger doing some DHing, and he's yeah. a good fielding right fielder. Then uh, yeah. you know you can see that Kelnick, even though again he's struggling bad with his hitting, he, he's a good he's a good outfielder. Yeah. Uh, you got Julio Rodriguez at some point is going to be coming up. You know, so yeah. they do have a lot of options as far as you know outfielders who can field and do all these different things. Right. Right. So, so why why not encourage Lewis? Yeah. To say, hey, try it. Yeah. Well, and it, of course, I mean, you kind of get the feeling that uh, he's probably not going to be back the rest of this season. And so well, it's possible. You can, yeah. And so you start to think, okay, for next year's spring training, you start to get him in the mindset like that just to protect him and see where it is with Julio Rodriguez. Hey, Dave, great call. Thank you. Let's go to Risco in Spanaway. Hey, Risco. What's up, John? How we doing? Good. Hey, by the way, what what a great day today. We had Tara in Mercer Island, and we have Risco in Spanaway. Yeah, um, my question is, how big of an impact will Jordan Brooks have? Uh, very big, because, uh, I mean, I'm not saying he can play to the K.J. Wright level, <coughs> but you can see, as a first-round pick, he's got great speed, great range, great instincts, and now <clears throat> he gets to use that on the weak side of the field. Uh, so I think that uh, he can do very well. And do you think we'll see more of Rashad Penny than we saw last year? Yeah, because, again, because as long as he stays healthy. Yeah. new offense um, ran two um, in L.A. I believe they ran two backs in their backfield. Yeah, I don't see them doing two backs. I mean, because again, I think that uh, you know they like two tight ends and they like three receiver sets. So I don't see them having two backs. And if they're going to have two backs, you know what what they end up doing is that uh, you know it'll be Nick Ballore out there blocking. So no, I don't see them doing more two backs. But you know certainly he should get more playing time because again, here's a guy that uh, has fought knee injuries the last couple of years, and so now it's a matter of just staying healthy and being able to do his job as the backup. Um, and um, DJ Dallas, um, 
Do you think he'll get some carries? Some. Yeah, not a lot because, again, he's the third running back probably. Uh, and I think what it is is that I think he'll get some pass catches because, again, I think that you know his value is going to be you know giving some relief to Chris Carson and even Penny on some of those passing down plays. So I can see him getting in there like that. That doesn't lead to a lot of running plays. But it'll lead to some, but not a lot. And do you think Chris Carson will have over a thousand rushing yards? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. Because again, one thing that's interesting about the 49er Ram type of defense is that, you know, you don't have to have great talent to get great production out of the running backs. I mean, look at some of the running backs in San Francisco and after Todd Gurley uh, left the Rams, you know, the guys you you can hardly name, but they do a good job. But Chris Carson, I think, is going to do well in this offense you know, because he's so physical and so talented. And then I think that, uh, you know, you'll get more out of Rashad Penny, more out of Dallas and all those different things. Hey, Risco, thank you for the phone call. Do you have a fan club? Uh, If you want to join it, yeah. Okay. Okay. Risco, thanks. Let's go to Eric in Sumner. Hey, Eric. Hey, John. How we doing? Good. How are you? Great. Hey, uh, back in the day, I used to work with my dad my father at uh, the Tacoma News Tribune, so we're big fans. Oh, who's that? Uh, Kurt Munson. He came oh, up yeah, from the yeah. Fargo Forum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, and, and you know, my wife is Pat uh, Pat Clayton, who is Pat Greenleaf, and she worked at the News Tribune. Okay, that's cool. Really, really cool. Uh, yeah, a couple of Seahawks-related questions for you today. I think number one with with obviously the new offensive coordinator. Um, how much do we think we'll see the fly sweep? Do we do we think Eskridge is that guy? Uh, that's my first question. Yeah, I think you will because that's one of the things that's part of this offense is the fly sweep. You see it with Debo Samuel and certainly with the speed of Dwayne Eskridge. That uh, you know what four three eight speed. You know he they can take advantage of that, and so I think that you'll see a bunch of that this year. But you saw it with David Moore, and occasionally you'd see it with Tyler Lockett. But, yeah, I think you'll see more you know, jet sweeps. Yeah, I think Eskridge really brings a, a different gear than Moore. You know, and I yeah. think, man, I, I'm excited about him. Well, that's why, uh, that's why I think that uh, it's nice to study the Julio Jones thing. But to me, all of a sudden, that means a wasted second-round pick this year on, uh, on Dwayne Eskridge because how he's going to get on the field as a fourth receiver. Yeah, great point. Uh, and then the second thing is, I think, you know, late last year, we kind of stumbled in third down efficiency. Like, what specifically do you think we need to do to get back on track in that area? Well, the big thing is how to adjust to a cover, uh, zone coverage. You know, cover two shut this team down in the second half of the season. And, you know, here you have the, the one of the best wide receiver duos in football. And uh, it, it, it just didn't do well in that second half of the season. So I think that, you know, this offense will get Russell the ball out quicker. I think if it goes against – because, again, one thing you know about, if it goes on a zone defense, right, that gives Russell Wilson the better chance to run if necessary. Because, again, if you've got guys in zone, you know, they're not going to be able to move up in demand and maybe stop the run a little bit more. But it gives more temptation for Russell to be able to, uh, you know, run the football. So you mix in a few more running plays with Russell, and that'll, you know, get them off their heels in the zone. But they just have to find a way to beat the cover, too. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, thank you. Enjoy your summer. And, uh, of course, go Hawks. Okay, Eric, thank you. And that's our show for today, the John Clayton Show. And we'll be back next week, 8 to 11. Matt Nelson, thank you. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.